Hey, what's happening? This is your man, El Jamal, coming through with another edition of Never Out of Bounds. Of course, this is the place where you can say what you want as long as you got the facts. We have quite a bit to talk about today. Uh, for one, we're going to get into some NFL Thanksgiving football. Uh, we got a few games to talk about there. We're also going to get into some NFL news regarding uh, America's team, at least my, my thoughts on their coaching situation. And then we're going to get into the NBA. We're going to get into some action uh, that occurred last night. Um, I also uh, forgot to talk about the resting issue in the NBA right now in terms of uh, taking games off and stuff like that. So I'm going to talk about that as well. And then I'm going to talk a little bit about my Blazers. Um, They've been doing some positive lately. So we're going to talk about the grand scheme of that. And then also, before I let you guys go, I have another unpopular opinion for you guys. This is my second in the week. Uh, I think I'm going to let them come as they go. I think I originally stated I was going to do them once a week or something like that. But... Now, as they come, if I come across them, and also, I'm going to expand on that. Not just going to be my own things that I might come up with that I think is an unpopular opinion. I might go out and I'll research something, and I'll come across something. And that's pretty much what I'm going to be talking about today. I came across something today, uh, actually last night, an interview I thought was very interesting, uh, to say the least. And I I actually agree with it for what it's worth. So we're going to get into that. And... uh, at the end of the show but let's let's start off with some nfl uh football now thursday uh, thursday that means thanksgiving of course we always got that nfl action uh this sun uh this thursday of course we had as the traditional the lions uh they take on uh they took on the bears of course they take on whoever on thanksgiving but uh, again uh this time around it was the bears they take the l Per the usual on Thanksgiving, I don't remember a time where I actually saw the, the Lions win on Thanksgiving. Can you remember? Can you remember the last time the Lions won? What did they do? What did they do there? That's a that's a sad situation. But they lose again, uh, twenty to twenty four again against their NFC NFC North rival Bears. Uh, for the Lions, they are three and eight on the season. Of course, that it makes them officially eliminated from the playoffs. They also have that one tie from the first week of the season, I believe. Uh, what can you really say? Uh, this the whole Matt Patricia thing has not really worked out. Uh, the offense uh, has certainly not shown up. Uh, they're down to their third string quarterback. Uh, I believe his name was yeah David Blau. He went 22 of 38. Uh, he did throw for 280 yards and two touchdowns, but he did throw an interception. Uh, that was costly. Uh, they didn't really do too much on the ground. Uh, Bo Scarborough would have 83 rushing yards. Uh, wide receiver Kenny Halliday would have a decent game, actually. Uh, he would have four catches for 158 yards. He would bring in a touchdown. Uh, Marvin Jones would bring in a touchdown as well. Uh, but again, you know, just, again, not enough, of course. Um, the defense wasn't there uh they got some you know some help i guess in terms of tackling from the you know their secondary defensive back uh amani uh uh he had six total tackles and uh safety tracy walker the third he also had six total tackles but then that goes to show you that they're giving up plays in the backfield so um and again it made mr bisky mr bisky for one week out of this year look competent uh, i don't think this is his job i think he has to go through the rest of the season to really to for the bears to really uh feel comfortable with him he's gonna have to at least get uh how many more weeks we got at least uh two to three more weeks something like that maybe four something like that uh three weeks i think three weeks three games something like that he's gonna have to win at least two or three of those last games or whatever uh to really save his job i 
I haven't liked uh, how he's played this year. However, on Thanksgiving, he did have a game, a pretty good game. Uh, he would go 29-38 for 338 yards, uh, three touchdowns, and he threw for one interception. And I think that's more uh, of the incompetency of the Lions defense as opposed to just Mr. Trubisky uh, really being that good. I'm sorry. Um, we've seen him pretty much throughout the rest of the year. Uh, he hasn't done anything near that. I think that's a product of the Lions not having a good defense. Matt Patricia is going to have to step that up. Or I believe he starts the next year. Or I think he uh, goes into next year on the hot seat. I, I think that's that's something he's going to have. I think that's already the case in my opinion. Kind of, uh, He's already year three. Uh, it will be year three next season. Uh, he's already coming off probably, in my opinion, looks like a three-win campaign possibly a four-win campaign uh there's no way you get to five wins uh anything like that that's that's no i don't see it not with this not with the way they're playing uh not with you know matt stafford having to be out in the drama there uh they're not running the ball very well uh they do have some great receivers uh and that's that's one good thing but defensively there's nothing there there's no pass rush uh, there's there's no help for the linebackers in terms of containing anything, and again, uh, their secondaries are making a lot of tackles, uh, and not, not necessarily a lot of tackles, but they're making tackles, which means there's plays being made uh, in the back end. Uh, so uh, there's not too much that can be said for the Lions right now. As far as the Bears defensively, uh, linebacker Roquan Smith would have a great game with 15 total tackles and two sacks. Defensive back Kyle uh, Kyle Fuller would have seven total tackles, and linebacker. Uh, uh, Nick Kiewitowski would have seven total tackles as well. But I feel uh, now, for what it's worth, uh, the Lions were able to make some plays. Of course, David Blau made a couple passing touchdowns. Uh, but again, I, just something about, you know, I, I just, well, honestly, I, think, I just think the Bears have a complete defense. I mean, honestly, they have a great linebacker, Roquan Smith, uh, and they have Khalil Mack there as well. But in this game in particular, Roquan Smith with the 15 total tackles and the two sacks. I thought that was very versatile for him. And then also, you, you do have some plays being made, but at least Kyle Fuller, uh, he had a pretty decent game covering as well. And then, and then you have... Uh, just some more linebacker help for the Bears as well. So, again, the Bears' issue has been they can't play really great offense, and that starts with Mr. Trubisky. Uh, Tariq Cohn will go on to have 75 rushing yards in the game. Uh, wide receiver Anthony Miller will go on to have nine catches and 140 yards for the Bears. And wide receiver Allen Robinson will also have eight, eight, uh, eight catches excuse me, for 86 yards in a touchdown. And tight end uh, Jesper Horstead and also running back David Montgomery will bring in touchdown catches as well. So, so um, it was a it was a better looking offensive game, I think, at least for Mr. Trubisky. Um, but overall, I don't think this really helps helps him at this point. I don't, I don't again. I don't think this team wins. I think this team can probably win seven, maybe finish eight and eight. But I don't see this team going nine and six. I I just think it's unrealistic. Not with not with him at quarterback. I'm sorry. Sorry, sorry, Bears fans. It's not gonna work. Not with this guy. You, you guys have really good defense, though. Uh, your kicking game is suspect still too. Uh, but we're moving on. Uh, the next key matchup, uh, well, the really the, one of the key matches that I did have for Thanksgiving uh, was the Bills and the, uh, the Bills and the Cowboys. Uh, the uh, the Bills will get a win in this one. This surprised me, of course. I had one with the Cowboys because I thought that they had the better talent. Um, I didn't really think the Bills performed that well against talented teams, but apparently either I'm wrong about that 
or we've uh, overhyped the Cowboys. But I don't, I don't think we've overhyped the Cowboys. I think it's it goes deeper than that. We'll get to that in just a second. Um, for the Bills, offensively, they were led by. Oh, actually, uh, let's get into their record real quick. For the Bills, they are nine and three. For the Cowboys, they are now at five hundred at six and six. Uh, for the Bills, offensively, of course, they were led by quarterback Josh Allen. Uh, he would go nineteen to twenty-four for two hundred thirty-one yards and a touchdown. He also would have forty-three rushing yards and a touchdown as well. And uh, there was a play that I saw from him. I believe it was like a third and third and short or something like that. And he, he it was a quarterback sneak, and it looked like they had him almost behind the line of scrimmage was a loss it looked like it was gonna be a loss uh, in a turnover or you know like a punt situation but he turns it and flips it and powers through I've never seen a, a quarterback exert that much strength not a Cam Newton uh, not Colin Kaepernick uh, not Lamar Jackson just shit not make Baker Mayfield uh, just in case people want to get mad because I'm saying names I'm gonna say all the names I haven't seen this from any quarterback uh, he powered through on the third one like a like a fullback and I think that's something that the team really loves uh, that really that make that makes them excited and I think honestly uh, I've been sleeping on the bills and they actually play pre, pre, uh, sorry play pretty decent uh, football and maybe in a rematch against the Patriots things might be a little bit different um, and maybe this is I think this is a playoff team at, at officially nine and three I, I think they've made that crux uh, they definitely moved up in my power rankings I would have to get that list together uh, when I get that list together through Sunday but I definitely uh, feel as though the Bills have uh, moved up or at least gotten onto the list uh as far as the cowboys again a really inconsistent effort for them uh but let's let's finish breaking down uh the bills real quick uh wide receiver uh john brown would also throw a touchdown pass as well uh running back devin singletary would have 63 rushing yards he'd also have three catches and a touchdown as well and wide receiver cole beasley i'm not really surprised about this uh former Dallas wide receiver had a big game here with six catches, 110 yards, and also a touchdown. On our defense, the Bills were led by linebacker Tremaine Edwards. He would have eight total tackles. Safety Micah Hyde, who would have 10 total tackles, and also defensive back Teron Johnson. He was going to have eight total tackles uh, as well. As far as the Cowboys are concerned, like I said, it was a kind of inconsistent effort. Really weird looking game from them because you figured, in my opinion, I thought they were kind of. I I don't. I don't think I was I was envisioning the Cowboys to run this team over. Nothing like that. Nothing crazy. But I thought the Cowboys would just look like the more efficient team and win by at least a score or two. I honestly I honestly thought the, the score would at least be reversed. So I'm I'm kind of surprised with this one, honestly. Uh, uh, on offense, uh, the Cowboys were led by Dak. He would go t- uh, 32 of 49 for 355 yards. He'd also throw for two touchdowns and an interception. On the ground, of course, Zeke would lead the way with 71 rushing yards. Amari Cooper was the leading receiver for the boys. He would have eight catches for 85 yards. Tight end Jason Winning, the ageless tight end, he would have 42, 42 yards and a touchdown. And wide receiver Ventrell uh, Bryant, he would have a receiving touchdown as well. On D Defense, the Cowboys were led by linebacker Sean Lee. He would have 12 total tackles. Linebacker Jalen Smith would have 14 total tackles. And defensive back uh, Jordan Lewis, he would have uh, six total tackles and two sacks. You got two sacks for your defensive back and you still lost. How does that happen? We're going to talk about it in just a little bit. Hold on with me. I got one more game to go through and we'll get to it. Finally, we have an NFC South matchup. The Saints have officially wrapped up their playoff spot. They've uh, won their division. 
And uh, I, I, well, you could say it's smooth sailing to the playoffs. I think this is a, a team that could realistically go uh, 13 and three. Why not? You know, win at least three more games. Um, we'll have to see who else is on that schedule, but I think it's relatively easy. Why not go 13 and three? Maybe even 14 and two. Ah. That would be a killer, honestly, for them. A good playoff positioning for them. I think that's for them and a team like that. They need the best playoff. They need it. They need home field advantage because they might get cheated. <laughs> Let's keep it real. So at ten and two, the Saints are looking good. Of course, this is a win against the Falcons. Uh, Dan Quinn is on the hot seat. I would not be su- be surprised if he's done uh, when the season is over. Uh, the Falcons, of course, uh, dropped this drop to three and nine. The final score here is twenty six to eight. Let's break the stats down uh, for the Saints offensively that were led, we already know, by your boy Drew Brees. Uh, not the most perfect game. He will go 18 to 30 for 184 yards. He will also throw for a touchdown. On the ground, Alvin Kamara will lead the way with 61 rushing yards. Taysom Hill would have a rushing yard and a receiving touchdown. And mind you, he's the third string quarterback. That's why this team has so much to offer going into the playoffs. They are very interesting. But they need home field advantage because I don't see that team performing that. First of all, I will say this. I don't like the refs in terms of them not being at home. I don't think that team performs well in the cold. I haven't seen them in the cold in all them in different elements just yet. So I will have to see. Uh, on defense, the Saints were led by defensive back Marshawn Lattimore. He would have nine total tackles. Defensive back Eli Apple would have nine total tackles. And linebacker Demario Davis would have eight total tackles as well. Uh, for the Falcons, they were led by Matt Ryan. He would go 35 of 50. Uh, he would have 312 yards. He would throw for two touchdowns and throw for two interceptions as well. Of course, Julio Jones was out in this game for the Falcons. So that was that did them no favors. Uh, but again, you see a decent game from Matt Ryan again. I mean, over 300 yards. Uh, 35 of 50, which isn't too bad in terms of completion percentage. He did have the two picks, but he did throw for two interceptions. I think a lot is being uh, thrust upon his shoulders, especially when you have a running back that only gets you 51 rushing yards. Uh, the leading receiver for the Falcons uh, yesterday, uh, sorry, on Thanksgiving was Calvin Ridley. He would have eight total catches for 91 yards. Uh, and uh, wide receiver Russell Gage and also J.D. and Graham would have receiving touchdowns as well. Uh, on defense, the Falcons were led by linebacker Deion Jones. He would have eight total tackles and also defensive lineman uh, Grady Jarrett. He would have six total tackles. Now, moving on, um, the biggest news coming from Thanksgiving and up until this point is uh, Jerry Jones is deciding to stick with Jason Garrett. Um, this was his direct quote. He would go on to say, this is not the time for me to make a coaching change. He will also go on to say, I'm looking ahead at another ball game. I'm looking ahead at winning four or five straight and helping write a story they will talk about. Woo, what is he smoking? How it looks when you're down and out. And I mean that. That looks like, uh, I'm sorry, that's the way I'm operating. Every decision that I make, I make the next month. I'm sorry, every decision that I make over the next month will be with an eye in mind to get us to the Super Bowl now. Whew. Jay, Jay, Jay. 
the Cowboys have lost six of their last nine games. But one thing that they have going for them, and this speaks to the ineptitude of the Eagles at the moment, they are still first in the NFC East. Oh my God, this conference is terrible. I hope whoever gets to the, to the playoffs in this conference gets smacked the first round so they just go home and shut up. Because both of y'all are not that raw this year. Especially the Eagles. The Cowboys get a pass because I like their defense. I like the players that they got on their defense. But the Eagles, oh my God. Y'all have no excuses. No, y'all fall off has been quicker then as the old heads will say, y'all fall off was quicker than lightning could bump a stump. It's it's I don't want to I don't want to hear about y'all right now. The Cowboys y'all teetering. Y'all better win this division because y'all not getting in the playoffs. Let's keep it real. Okay, we we can we can we can we can we can we can uh, hype yo y'all can hype yourselves up. Y'all better win that division, which is it's possible. It's it's definitely possible. Um. Now, Jason Garrett did sign an extension uh, last year, and it uh, basically would extend him through the end of this year. So, I think it is, you know, quote-unquote Super Bowl or bust, but I think he's just, in my opinion, well, we'll see. I mean, I, I think if, if if the Cowboys get humiliated in the first or second round, I think Jared, Jason Garrett is done. I think if he can at least get them to the NFC Championship, possibly a Super Bowl appearance, I think that will warn him getting re- him re-signed at least a couple more years. Possibly. That, and that's up to Jerry Jones. But if we're talking about this team barely winning their division and then getting smacked in the first round, come on. Why would you? Why You don't need that. And I honestly, he's been there since 2009. I honestly, if I was the owner of the GM, I would have been pushed to cut him. I would have had to get cut as, as a member of that front office because I would have pushed so hard for him to get him out of here. Because he's waged, I mean, in my opinion, I mean, the, the amount of success that, that that's, that franchise has gotten over the last few years, over what they've they projected that they get, the media has projected them to get, they, you know, constantly are keep telling us that they should be getting, the fan base, then this is no shots. I'm saying, for y'all, y'all should let him go. Because he's not, he's, he's feeling y'all uh, potential. Y'all should be wanting more than that. I would, I if I'm a Dallas fan, I think I would want him. If I was a Dallas fan today, as an NFL, as a as a person who's who's, who's molding his career to be an NFL analyst, I say cut him. If as a per as a as a, I mean, and if I'm hypothetically speaking as a as a Dallas fan, I would say cut him as well. It's too his, his success has been too inconsistent. Uh, he has won three uh, NFC East titles. I will give you that. Uh, one in 2014. Uh, mind you, he's been a coach since 2010 or 20, uh, t- uh, 2009. Uh, he, then he won one in 2016, which is fine. And he won in 2018. Uh, and that's okay. There's three. Uh, again, he started coaching in 2010. Uh, he has an 83 and 65 record, which is good. It's over 500, of course, but he's two and three in the playoffs. He loses. And every time he lost, he won the divisional title. He went on to pretty much lose in a divisional round. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think he's a great regular season coach, but he's not a playoff coach. 
division, he's not going to win you a title. He'll get you a divisional title, but he's not going to get you a Super Bowl title. Dallas. Um, I think that's, I think that's as, uh, this has always been the case with these guys. Um, yeah. And that's how I'm going to keep that. I, I, I would let him go, if, especially if you get blown out uh, in the last uh, couple, you know, in the last, you know, in the, in, in the divisional round. I would let this guy go because, again, I don't I don't see where I mean, again, I see the divisional success, but you don't win passes. You don't you don't. I see the divisional title success. I get that. I get the winning records. But if you're not winning in the postseason, it doesn't really matter. Right. Especially if that's what you're building your brand on. I think you guys need to do some soul searching in the offseason, honestly. And this is coming from a Raider fan. I know you guys can be like, oh, this guy's crazy. Well, look, we let go of Jack Del Rio. We'll let go of somebody. You, you've seen us. Y'all, y'all be holding on to sentimental value coaches. I don't like that. This is the same franchise I was willing to, to cut ties with Jimmy Johnson after two or three Super Bowls or two of them. But you willing to keep Jason Garrett after none? I don't know. Y'all got to think about that. All right, y'all. I'm going to take a quick break. And when I come back, I'll be going over some NBA action. Of course, I got some news to go over as well. Uh, Yeah, I'll be right back. Hey, y'all. I'm back. Now, let me just hop into this so I don't forget it again. Uh, of course, I'll be, I'm going to be switching to the NBA now, but I wanted to talk about the topic uh, of rest, of course. Uh, uh, lately, there's been a trend of, you know, high-caliber superstars uh, taking time out of games, regular season games, uh, for stretches at a time, or sometimes, you know, a game here, a game there. More uh, notably, at least recently, uh, your man Kawhi Leonard. Um, and I just wanted to express my thoughts on that real quick. Um, I don't know the NBA body, so I'm not the NBA player's body, so I'm not going to get into whether or not a man is injured every single time he takes a game off or anything like that. Uh, but I do get the matter of showing up and going to work. I work a regular job. I, I don't have the luxury of, of pulling a Kawhi uh, too many times because I could get fired, and that's the reality. Uh, so I do get that. I do get showing up to work. I do get the aspect of that. Of course, people are paying uh, to see basketball, but not just the basketball, but they are, you know, expecting to see the superstar a uh, good time more than not. So I do feel like the, the trend has has that there is a trend. I have I am aware of that. Uh, I'm not too aware because I don't think that in my opinion, I well, from what I have come across, I haven't heard any players speak into it as to why they're sitting out uh, really per se. I mean, there's these minor ailments, there's these minor injuries, uh, but uh, I, nothing that comes up on the injury report that seems significant. So, uh, again, I don't hear anything from the players about it. Uh, so, again, I don't really know you know exactly how to judge it per se um in terms of you know who's wrong or who's right uh again the fans i mean they do i mean i get it they want to enjoy a good nba experience uh albeit 
every other every you know every night they come or every game that they show up as a as a human being uh that works or that has to perform i can imagine on a human level you may get tired you may not uh, mentally be up for it and i guess the superstar nba player has a little bit more freedom to dictate when he can do that when he can't and you know when he doesn't uh i think that's inevitably another thing that we have to address and uh I think uh, the NBA has to has to do that. I mean, that's the superstar. They've allowed the superstar to take over the league. That's their thing. You know, the league has to do something about that. Um, I think a, a player should be allowed some type of rest because, again, as a even as you know, somebody in my in my position who works, I don't I don't have an NBA talent like that. But I work. Uh, you know, even in my position, I still get something called paid time off, stuff like that, vacation time. So uh, I think a player should be allowed sometimes to kind of get away. I mean, he, had, he does have an off season, of course. I get that. But, I mean, the rigors of the season, uh, especially with a sport like basketball where you're constantly in motion, I think a sport like football, I mean, again, it's not like, see, again, I could imagine the, the uproar in football. I think the uproar a player said now in football would be fat. Because I, I think, honestly, at the end of the day, I think the fans kind of just roll with it in basketball. I think the biggest complaints I hear are, have been coming from uh, the, uh, the quote-unquote analysts and the experts and the guys that talk about it, the commentators. They're like, oh, man, this guy's sitting out. Why is he sitting out? The fans want to see him. Um, maybe they hear that every now and again from a fan, but... You know, again, the people still sell out the stadiums. The still people, the people still buy the merchandise. They still buy the, the star players' jerseys. So, is it really? I mean, what is it really doing? Um, at the end, of the, at the end of the year, as long as the team, uh, majority of these teams make the playoffs, uh, a lot of these fans are happy. You know, and some of these teams, they don't make the playoffs, and they finally do. Their teams are extraordinarily happy. Um, so. I think fan happiness and, and again overall income and with the ticket revenue are things that matter. So I think the team is still bringing in, uh, you know, relative decent amount of income, whether or not a star sits out. And I think that until it starts to bother that, until the fans start, until the fans start to, to say that it's a real problem, uh, then I would say it's a big issue. As far as I'm concerned, the biggest, the biggest people making a hubbub about this uh, might be some of the GMs or the coaches that want to be able to, you know, dictate when a player can do something. Uh, there might be some talk amongst them i think i have heard some some little tidbits from them uh, and also like i said the, the commentators the analysts you know they do a lot of the complaining because again that's they have to have a news story they have to have something to talk about uh nothing's uh nothing you know ex- exciting or extreme has happened just yet the, the nba kind of has fallen into the place in which we've kind of pretty much predicted so again this has to be a story in some type of way there has to be some type of new spin on something uh again as far as the rest i think players are entitled to some uh i, I don't think you know a, a, a good portion of the season i don't think like a good 45 games in the season or a quarter of the season or anything like that i don't believe that um but um definitely they do have you know at least two or three games you know out of a season just kind of you know hey i'm sitting out you know i don't need I don't, i'm not feeling it you know why not you know you got 82 games in the season that's that's you're gonna get exposure and then you, you count the playoffs towards another, another seven-game stretch in each, in each series. You're getting exposure. Your star player is getting exposure. That's uh, all that amounts to. So uh, let's move on.
I got some news, and let's gonna, we're going to go to the Western Conference. And, of course, like I said, I'll be breaking down my Blazers. Uh, they've started a winning streak. And uh, last night, uh, Hassan Whiteside set a franchise record. Let's talk about it. Uh, the Blazers did a 103, 103, well, they had a 107-103 win uh, in Portland versus the Bulls. Uh, this was their second win against the Bulls in five games. Uh, this was also the Blazers' third one in a row. This was their first winning streak of the season. God damn. Uh, now that record stands at 8-12, and 12. they still have a lot of work to do. I'm I'm a fan, so I'm saying right now they still have a lot to work to do, and you know, it's hard. So to to, to have a start, to have a start that's a that's eight and twelve like this, uh, very difficult. Uh, but I think they can make a lower seed I, if they fight hard enough. They can scrap hard enough. I think they have a solid roster in play that they should they should have been in they should have been in position weeks ago. They should have been at least four in in the top eight weeks ago honestly uh, I think this team has a talent but then you factor in the injuries Nurkic hadn't come back hasn't come back yet there's actually uh, a guarantee I'm hearing uh, that he's not going to be coming back at all this season which is going to be really uh, debilitating because we also let go of Paul Gasol uh, so that leaves us pretty much with one one decent well two decent big men we have a sound white side who we'll get to in just a second and then we have Zach Collins He's okay. I think he has some range, but he does. He's not a great win, uh, rebounder or a great rim protector. So there you go. Um, well, let's get back to some more positive. Now, Hassan Whiteside will go ahead and finish uh, the game with 15 rebounds and a franchise record 10 blocks a game. Uh, I believe he broke a record held by uh, Joe Prisbilla. Uh, Guys, that if you're not a Portland fan, you probably don't know. I think I don't even think Arvinius Sabonis had this many blocks in the game. Um, I can't even remember. Uh, sorry, but they included Joe Prisbilla. It's it's you know it's a great. I mean, for the for the franchise, I think it's a good stat for for a team that's struggling. It's something good to have in the grand scheme of things. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Like I said, you don't know who you probably don't know who Joe Prisbilla is. So don't worry about it. Uh, if for Portland fans and for the team. That for a team that's struggling, it's a cool little thing to have. Uh, so, uh, again, Damon CJ, they provided their one-two punch. They were combined for 51 points. So, they look to be hot. Again, uh, Rodney Hood will also add 19 points on 7 of 12 shooting. Uh, he also went 3 of 5 from 3. Uh, on the year, Rodney Hood is shooting 53% from the field, and he's also shooting 51% from 3. So, he's ratcheting up his uh, efficiency. So, again, I think we have some pieces here to make a playoff run. I think that was already established. Uh, I can't, uh, outside of the injuries, I think that's the only thing that's keeping us uh, out of real contention right now. Hopefully, these people can get healthy. Uh, I still think we some, need some uh, need some help along the small forward position defensively, or maybe just a wing, uh, maybe a small uh, power forward, or yeah, adding another power forward who can play some defense uh, somewhere along the perimeter. Something, something. Uh, but uh, the, this is the Blazers' seventh straight win of the, over the Bulls, uh, which is a fran- the franchise longest win streak versus Chicago so they've been killing Chicago as of late they've been having the Bulls as a number uh, I would just say CJ and Dane mostly uh, in this game of course you have some white side but of course uh, 
you know, CJ and Dame do their thing. As far as Car uh, Carmelo, oh, actually, and for the uh, Portland, they actually out rebounded the Bulls and they out uh, they they had uh, they put up 20 assists too, which was more than the Bulls as well. Carmelo would have a pretty damn good game as well. Uh, Carmelo would score 20 points for the 755th time in his career, and this puts him 10th now in the all-time scoring uh, list. So uh, there's some pretty good positives for Portland, I think, in this game. Uh, I think there's something to build upon. Three games in a row, that's definitely positive. If we can get four, maybe five. Uh, the point now, we have the, this team has to get to 500. That is the point now. We're actually going to have to get one or two games above 500 to be comfortable. Let's be real. I'm a fan, and I'm going to keep it real with you. Uh, now, CJ has scored 20 points or more uh, in eight straight games, so he's definitely getting high. Uh, so look for this team, I think, to get increasingly better as players come back. Um, my fingers are, are crossed on Nurkic, but I'm not 100% positive on him. So I'm worried about that, but maybe we can pick somebody up. Maybe we can pick somebody up. You know, during the course of free agency, during free agency over the course of the year, I'm hoping. Let's see what happens. But um, yeah, so Portland wins three in a row. Uh, Hassan Whiteside sets a franchise record. Things are in a positive direction, but again, at 8-12, work still needs to be done. I'm not all the way happy yet, so just keeping it real. Uh, we're gonna move on. Uh, let's move on to the scores from last night. We're gonna start off in the Eastern Conference. The Nets get a win against the Celtics, 112 to 107. Uh, the Raptors get a win against the Magic, 90 to 83. The Hornets beat the Pistons, 110 to 107. The Bucks beat the Cavaliers, 119 to 110. For the Bucks, they are now 16 and 3. The Cavaliers are 15 and 4. Uh, for the Bucks, they were led by Giannis uh, Antetokounmpo. He would have 33 points and 12 rebounds and two assists. George Hill would have 18, uh, 18 points, four assists, and two rebounds coming off bench for the Cavaliers they were led by Darius Garland the rookie the rookie guard would have 21 points uh, and six rebounds City Osman the Ford uh, would have 20 points four assists two rebounds and also for Larry Nance Jr. would have 18 points and nine assists uh, coming off the bench and uh, up next we have the Sixers beat the Knicks 101 to 95 the Heat will beat the Warriors 122 to 105. Uh, for the Heat, they are now 13 and 5. Pretty damn good. I was not expecting them to be that good. I wasn't. I'll be the first one to tell you. Uh, the Warriors are now 4 16. Uh, for the Warriors, they were led by guard Jordan Poole. He would have 20 points. Forward Eric Pascal would have 17 points. And center Willie Cully Stein would have 16 points four rebounds. For the Heat, they were led by Goran Dragic. He'll be their leading scorer with 20 points and five of five rebounds and four assists off the bench. Forward Duncan Robinson would have 17 points and two assists. Jimmy Buckets, aka Jimmy Butler, would have 16 points, six assists, and five rebounds. And the rookie Kendrick Nunn would have 15 points, four rebounds, and two assists. Moving on, we got the Thunder beating the Pelicans 109 to 104. The Pacers beat the Hawks 105 to 104 in overtime. The Jazz get a win against the Grizzlies 103 to 94. The Clippers, uh, they take a loss here to the Spurs 97 to 107. We got the Mavericks beating the Suns here 120 to 113. The Mavericks are now 12 and 6 on the year. Uh, the, the Suns, excuse me, are now 8 and 10. Let's break down the stats in this one. Uh, Matt, for the Mavericks, Luka Doncic will lead the way for them. 42 points, 11 assists, and 9 rebounds. Tim Hardaway would also provide 26 points and 
three assists. Uh, for the Suns, Kelly Oubre Jr. will be their leading scorer with 22 points, 10 rebounds, and also three assists. Ricky Rubio would add 20, 21 points, excuse me, and nine rebounds. And Devin Booker would have 18 points, eight, uh, eight assists, and five rebounds. Rounding out the scores from last night, uh, the Bulls, of course, beat the I'm sorry, yes, the Blazers beat the Bulls, of course, 107-103. Finally, the Lakers get a, uh, get a win against the Wizards, 125-103. All right, y'all, I'm going to take another quick break. When I come back, I'll be breaking down um, my last segment, which is going to be my unpopular opinion uh, for today. All right, y'all, I'll be right back. Let's wrap this up for today. And like I said, I got another unpopular opinion for you guys. Now, yesterday evening, I was uh, I happened to come across some Fox News, and there was a segment with Bob Johnson on there, the former CEO, actually the former founder of BET. You already know who BET is, right? And he went on to say, uh, of course, I'm paraphrasing here, that there is pretty much no Democratic candidate this year or 2020 that'll be able to beat Trump. He also said that this candidate, uh, the reason being was the candidates now aren't centrist enough, meaning they're too far left. And I'm gonna be honest with you, part two of the unpopular opinion, I, I think I agree with him. Now, the reason being uh, is because, let's be real here, all the candidates, now. I, now, what they're going to tell you, uh, even on Fox News, it'll tell you that even black folks are starting to lean towards Biden. Honestly, I don't think black folks at this point, for one, are sold on any candidate. We for sure as hell ain't buying uh, Kamala Harris. I don't think we're buying what Elizabeth Warren is selling. We've already, we've already told you that Pete Buttigieg does not connect with us. So, again, who do you have? That's a good question there. Uh, and also... Uh, there was another key point they wanted to bring up uh, in that art, in that interview yesterday was that uh, blacks are somewhat of a swing vote. Uh, and I'm going to laugh. I think some of that is true. And I think it, it all depends on where you're at. I think if we're talking about Florida, yes. If we're talking Ohio, yes. Kentucky, if you consider that a swing state, I don't think so. Because again, I don't think blacks make up a a good pop or a large enough population there uh, to, to tilt the scales either way. If we're going to Pennsylvania, I'm a little bit iffy on that one because again, I've never been to Pennsylvania. But if I'm not 100% mistaken, uh, the majority of the black population and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the majority of the black population would live in the metro areas of Pittsburgh and Philly. But that's my that's my guess. If I'm wrong, please educate me. Um, but that's that's my opinion about that. Um, I personally feel that we're not truly sold on anybody just yet, for one. And uh, it's it's a, and and I think for one, the black vote in terms of looking for a centrist candidate, I do believe that. And for those of you who might not know what a centrist is, centrist is more leaning towards moderate, kind of in the middle. Uh, there's some there's again, like I've stated before multiple times uh there's some there's some liberal tenets that i can 
uh, that I can abide by, that I truly respect. There's some conservative tenets that I truly uh, feel like I can abide by and understand and respect. So again, and as far as where the black vote is headed, I think it is becoming more centrist because I think uh, black people as a population is understanding, oh, well, maybe it isn't as simple as Democrat, Republican. There's a lot of things that the Republicans do that are questionable, but then at the same time, there's a lot of things that uh, and uh, there's a lot of things that Republicans or sorry, Democrats back and support that are questionable and don't always uh, equal the benefit of black, the black population or the black uh, collective. So uh, I think that voters, black voters are starting to become starting to become aware of that and they're exercising their freedom to uh, to seek other different to seek different choices, choices or di- different narrative. And I think that's all important. Uh I think that, and honestly, I think it's quite essential because I do see a push uh, from the liberal side and also maybe even the conservative side as well to some extent to uh, really tap into that black vote. But in reality, what are they, what have they, there is some questions. What is going to be done for our communities? Where is y'all, where is y'all standing in helping us? Or if we decide to take, take this battle and do it on our own, are you going to sit back and let us handle this? Because again, a lot of times a liberal, they'll come in and, and, and say that they were on your side and they'll want to take up the white man's burden and completely leave you out of the restoration effort or the improvement efforts and then say, well, we did this for you. And this is, you know, no, we can, we are capable of taking care of our own communities. And for one, I think, uh, if, you know, I think for one, there probably should have been a more uh, a more diverse uh, cast there, at least on the Democratic side. You saw two African Americans there. I think if the African American community truly is about defending itself or truly about advancing itself, I think we're gonna need to need to flood those type of races. In my opinion, I think we're gonna need to flood the the, the state senates and the local senates and the and, and the uh, uh, and you know the district races. We're gonna have to, to flood those races as well um because this is a representation this is a representative government you know we're electing representatives people who represent our neighborhoods our districts and uh if we want to have a voice in that we're gonna have to be part of that elected process again i think it's uh i think the black vote is important to both parties to an extent and i do believe that they are trying to tap into that and i do i do see that there is a shift within the black consciousness as opposed to just being super liberal super super liberal excuse me it is getting a a little more in the middle it's getting a little bit more moderate to certain things um and another thing is i think what bob johnson said kind of hits everything on the nail because it kind of takes it back to this impeachment hearing this is, in a lot of ways, the Democrats' last effort to really beat this guy. I don't think um, that they can beat him in a regular election. Not with the not with the field that they have this election. I don't see it. Um, again, if they take him off the ballot via impeachment, and you know, make Mike Pence have to go up there and represent him, or have them have the Republicans pretty much have a, a legitimate primary then that could be their shot. Uh, this is it. But then this is the thing. This is going to be uh, going to lead into my other unpopular opinion. I'm going to have to make this a twofold one for you guys today. As far as the impeachment goes, you do realize, I mean, as as much as we can say that Trump, what he's done is illegal, you know this has to be 
this impeachment has to be pushed through by a Republican-controlled Senate. And if it gets to the, to the federal courts, it's going to be conservative there as well. So even if you, you, know, you, you, you get through all these testimonies and we hear everything, it's pretty much a Republican's decision. And uh, the Republicans have been doing all they can do to undermine. And then again, all, I mean, again, they are the deciding factor. They run the Senate. That is where it has to go. It has to go through both chambers of the legislative branch in order for an impeachment to be uh, solidified. And we're going to, and we're, this is a Senate, again, that is all Republican. Pretty Well, not all Republican, but of course, Republican controlled. Good luck. Good luck because you already have representatives like Elise Stefanik, who's pretty much with her. I and mean, in my opinion, again, if you're listening to her line of questioning in, in, in some ways, she's making she's she's pretty much giving them out, giving them an out. And uh, and if Trump can get through this and become a Teflon Don, don't be surprised if, if congressmen and women like her that showed up in a in a in a in a hearing like this you start getting a push i'm telling you this i mean the republicans are strategizing uh they're 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 turning it you know they're uh they have their gears working as well and um this is going to take a lot of work the democrats are not out the woods just yet because again they're going to have to convince a predominantly republican senate and a republic a republican dominated court or uh, conservative dominated court this man has committed high high treason or high crimes unpopular opinion i don't see that happening and again it's that's a hard pill to swallow because again it's not for me it's not a democrat republican thing because i just personally don't think this guy whether or not he was republican or democrat is you know would be a great suit because i'm looking at the guy mayor mayor uh what's this guy mike bloomberg former mayor of new york another billionaire trying to get into the race now for the democratic side i'm if you i'm very not looking at him he's like bruce wayne's daddy like remember the joker when bruce wayne's daddy had to run for some type of office that's how that reminds me of the big rich guy i don't we don't need big rich guys to tell us anything we need more of a representational government uh everybody needs to be putting a hand involved and i think if uh because I think part of the reason why blacks feel so centrist now, we're starting to get more moderate, is because we don't see us being represented uh, as much or our views being represented. But we have to realize, again, it's not their job to do that for us. We're going to have to do that. We're going to have to elect our people inside and we're going to have to and we're gonna have to keep our people uh, that we elect accountable or we don't vote for them again, or we push them out or whatever have you. We have to be able to do that as a collective. We have to put our own people there. And if we feel that we're not being represented, maybe maybe there should have been three or four black candidates this year, this time around for the Democrats. I mean, again, um, it's, think about it. They gave us the two that we already know about, that we've already kind of seen, and we've already had a, you know, had a run through them. There's no real diversity there. Think about it. One of them is is pro as pro, uh, you know, in a way pro prison pro prison complex because, you know, prison industrial complex because she was a district attorney that being Kamala Harris. So again, if we have a problem with that, then we're gonna have to implore that the Democratic Party, uh, or we're just gonna have to find and and push our own, you know, elected officials. 
Uh, I mean, it's going to have to be a grassroots effort. I mean, we have social media. So there's not like black people don't have a voice. Black people do. Uh, and we we have many ways to get it heard. Uh, it's, it's you know, it's as simple as kind of doing what I'm doing. Um, but anyways, I'm going to call it a wrap for today. I will be back tomorrow. Of course, I'll be going over some uh, some NFL action, some college football action, and I have a review for you guys as well. Um, I'm going to be going over that Six Tuplets movie on Netflix with Marlon Wins. I thought it was interesting, uh, but uh, I'm going to have to break it down for you guys. Solid movie, but I'll, I'll get into it. But uh, I will be back tomorrow. Uh, probably, yeah, tomorrow night, uh, sometime around uh, 11, maybe midnight, something like that. Uh, but you, I will be in touch. Uh, if you're looking to get in touch with me outside of that, you can hit me up on my email uh, at uh, ljbutler75 at gmail.com. That is eljbutler75 at gmail.com. Once again, that is el jbutler75 at gmail.com I also have a Facebook and an Instagram as well at ljamalajani e-l-j-a-m-a-h a-d-j-a-n-i once again that is e-l-j-a-m-a-h a-d-j-a-n-i alright y'all I'm signing out for the day uh, peace out one love and I will holla at you guys later alright